You are tuned into another edition of Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. Is this Royals bullpen pitcher better than we thought? Nelson Velasquez does it again. And why there's going to be some fun lineups to close out the season. That's all coming up next on Lockdown Royals. You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. First things first, thank you for tuning in to another edition of Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Again, I am your host, Jack Johnson. You can follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. And you can catch all of our podcasting episodes on wherever you get your podcasts in general. That can be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google, Google Podcasts, just to name a few, YouTube as well. Just be sure to hit that follow button and subscribe. But if you don't want to go through all that hassle, again, just follow me on Twitter. I tweet out the links as soon as I can, and it'll direct you uh, to listen to it pretty easily. If this is your first episode ever tuning in, well, thank you for coming in. I think it's pretty simple as that. It's late in the season, uh, less than 20 games to go. Royals get it done today, so maybe you're riding pretty high and you want to know a little bit more about the Royals or want to hear more of a recap about the Royals. But I'm just like you. I'm a diehard Royals fan. I just turned that fandom into a career path. I now work here in Kansas City for Sports Radio 810 WHB. I've got a daily show on ESPN Kansas City, 10 to 11 a.m. Monday through Friday, as well as once a week, a night show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. So if you ever want to hear my thoughts on things other than the Royals, it would be the NFL, college football, college basketball, NBA. That would be the place to go to. I still talk some Royals there, but this is really where I get to open up and have the chance to talk everything Royals baseball, which if you've been listening this far, um, I'd imagine that's what you're wanting to hear anyway. The good news is our goal of 500 subscribers on YouTube is getting closer and closer. Really want to make it a goal to get to 500 before the end of the season. So if you're watching this, you want to suggest it to somebody else, just send them that link and tell them to subscribe because we want to give you content every single day. That's what we do here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We want to give you good content, meaningful content, and not just the same old, same old every single time. And even when the season's over, doesn't mean this podcast is done. We're going to bring you three episodes a week instead of five, just because the news isn't going to be as hot. We're not going to have everything to talk about of every single episode. I think we're going to have to maybe have some more mailbags. Going to maybe turn it over to you, the listener, because as I've said before, you are what make this podcast fun to do, getting able to interact with fans, whether it be through mailbag, just be through Twitter, on YouTube. I really enjoy it, and I want to thank you for all of that because I've had a blast doing this, even for a team that is over 100 losses before the end of the season. This show is brought to you by Sleeper. I've got some more picks to give you going into tomorrow's game, but more on Sleeper at the tail end of our show. Let's kick it off with what happened today at Kauffman Stadium. The Royals storm back with a four-run eighth inning to take down the Cleveland Guardians. And I could talk about Bobby Wood Jr. and Michael Garcia, top of the lineup, getting things done. MJ Melendez had a hell of a day at the plate. Uh, I really wish that we could have seen this version of MJ at the beginning of the year because you're seeing the confidence radiate from him. However, as I'm sure a lot of you out there are looking at MJ Melendez with a bit of skepticism, 
you're not fully buying into what he's doing because these games are meaningless in the win-loss column. I mean, it mattered back in April and May when the Royals needed to start hot and MJ Melendez wasn't doing it. Same goes for Michael Massey, but still, I would say it's important for those guys to find some form of confidence before the end of the season. The guy I do want to talk about today, though, I also could have thrown Drew Waters into that praise because he had the go-ahead two-run double, and I'm still a fan of Drew Waters. Just want to see more of the consistency and the strikeout numbers go down, but he was slumping going in today. Good for him to have a multi-hit game at the plate and a big two-run double when the Royals were down one and then put the Royals up by one. So tip my cap to Drew Waters. But maybe the biggest hat tip today has to go to James MacArthur. And the guys at One Royal Way who do a fantastic job, they were all over this with James MacArthur. Now, when the Royals acquired him, I think a lot of us were confused. You know, why are you trading an 18-year-old lottery ticket guy in Junior Marin to go get some 26-year-old guy who doesn't even have good numbers? But also, I want to give some credit to David Lesky. Follow him on Twitter, at DBLesky. He pointed out that this is a type of move the Rays would do. You know, some minor league trade, you like a guy for one pitch that he has, but that's really the extent of it. You never heard of the guy before, then all of a sudden he's got a 1.47 ERA in Tampa's bullpen. It's just the way they've done things. In Kansas City, we've never seen this be done. You know, why are you trading away 18-year-old prospects, and not really prospects, but guys that could become one for some 26-year-old bullpen guy? Makes no sense. But I remember J.J. Piccolo speaking to that trade and saying, we love that curveball. There's a great spin rate on the curveball. And I was kind of bullish on spin rate. I heard the Royals talk about it before. I know what spin rate is. I'm sure you all know what spin rate is. But I didn't really truly believe it until I saw Cole Riggins and his spin rate. Then it was, wow, now I'm seeing spin rate really work for a Royals pitcher. You know, nobody else before really had that type of spin rate in the starting rotation. Now you had it in Cole Riggins. For James MacArthur, where he had good spin rate on it, was his curveball. And then he made his major league debut. And it was a debut from hell. He only got three outs and he gave up seven runs. He was booed off the mound. And to me, as frustrating as the season can always be, you have to think at times that these are just human beings. These are people like you and I. We we can put athletes up on a pedestal, but they still experience the emotion that we do. And that's a humiliating thing to go through. I mean, he had been in the minor leagues for five years, never gotten his chance with Philly. He comes to Kansas City, a team that is in a much different spot than the Phillies, and he gets his chance at Kauffman Stadium, and his family's watching back home or at the ballpark. I couldn't really remember if they were there or not, but to witness that, that's tough, man. You don't even wish, wish that on players you don't like. At least I would. And to give up seven runs in your major league debut, whether that game mattered or not, it's humiliating. But I will say what he's done since then has been remarkable and more so the pitcher that I think the Royals envisioned when they acquired him. Now, since giving up seven runs, he's thrown 15 and two-thirds innings and allowed only five runs, I believe. That's an ERA around three. Now, his whip in September is now below 0.1. That's freakish numbers. And today he comes on for the save, not Taylor Clark, not Carlos Hernandez. He goes in there, gets a strikeout, one, two, three, after the Royals just took the lead. And I love that Q put him in that spot. I'm sure he was warming up. I wasn't at the game. I was at work, but I was watching the game on the TV that was in the studio. 
Now, I'm sure he was warming up with the Royals trailing by one, but you stick with it. You didn't get Carlos Hernandez hot. You're going to roll with James McArthur because guess what? He's been your best bullpen guy for the last month. See what he's got. And he was very poised today. And he's been very poised. And I went on fan graphs this morning just to see the stuff plus. I'm a big stuff plus guy. It's one of the aspects of fan graphs, how good a pitch really is. And James McArthur has the best curveball of any Royals pitcher this year. Second place was Scott Barlow, and that was the pitch that made him kind of famous a little bit. The slider, the curve combo. Now, this year, Scott Barlow wasn't very good, but James McArthur had a much better curveball than Scott Barlow. And I was completely out on James McArthur. I said I'd seen enough. You know, he had, a, I think, an opening start against the Cardinals. Just it didn't make much sense. And the numbers were bad, and you're going, why did they make this trade? Well, this is, I think, who they envisioned. And if he finishes the year strong, like Jackson Coar is, like Steven Cruz is, they may have worked themselves into the conversation for the 2024 bullpen. I've always wanted to put him up in big lights here. I need to put it you know, behind me here in the podcasting room of building a bullpen without money. This is the way you do it. You find guys that can have that one signature pitch. They throw strikes. It matters. And now we're seeing James McArthur pitch with confidence, a rookie pitch with confidence. And if he throws like this, he is a lock for your bullpen. I know it's September. You can comment at me and say, Jack, it doesn't matter. The September numbers, the Royals always do this. It matters to them. It matters to teams that are fighting for playoff spots. And he has done this now for the last month. If it's a two-outing stretch, all right. Now, Steven Cruz has had a pretty good couple weeks. Tomorrow he pitches better. That's about a month of good baseball from Steven Cruz. I can take month sample sizes. And James McArthur is looking like the guy the Royals traded for. And that should give you more confidence in this Royals front office. You get Cole Reagans and a lottery ticket throw-in for a one-year deal guy, an aging veteran that had a really good first half in Kansas City. All right, more talent in. You trade Jose Quas, get Nelson Velasquez, who has 11 home runs since coming over to Kansas City. You trade an 18-year-old lottery ticket guy for a 26-year-old right-handed bullpen guy. What are you hoping to get out of him? This is what they were hoping. I'm not saying he's an ace now. I'm not saying he's a locked-in lockdown bullpen guy, but I will say this. Now I'm starting to understand why that trade was made because that curveball does look well above average. You can work with that. You can be a guy in this bullpen. I mean, the bullpen's been fundamentally great for the last couple weeks. Now I know they're not the, the most important games, but these innings matter to them, and they have faced some playoff teams, and for that I can buy into a little bit of it. And for James MacArthur... I hope he finishes the season strong because I want to see him compete for a spot in this bullpen next year. A lot of these guys have won me over. I'm not going to be, you know, I told you so because I was out on almost everybody in this bullpen. Now they're starting to show me maybe, just maybe, they deserve a chance in spring training. Whereas a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, I'm going, they can be 40-man roster casualties for all I care. Now they're starting to show there's a reason they were not demoted for good or DFA'd for good. Tip my cap to James McArthur on his first major league save today. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, let's talk about Nelly Nukes. Nelson Velasquez, who demolished his 11th home run of the year against Cleveland earlier today. I just want to dive into more of those numbers and what it could mean for 2024. He's next on Locked on Royals. You are tuned into Locked on Royals on the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. You can always follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore one five. Before we go any further, let's give a shout out to one of today's title sponsors in Jace Medical. 
Modern medical care and treatment are important, but our global supply chains are fragile. Things like pandemics, natural disasters, and foreign travel may cut you off from the treatment you need. Jace Medical is your solution. Just fill out their online form, and one of their board-certified physicians will review it to determine whether medications are safe and appropriate. Then they send you your prescriptions to one of their partner pharmacies, where your Jace order will be filled and mailed directly to your home. And not only this, you can send your physician a message for answers to treatment-related questions anytime. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 by using my code Locked On at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. I really found myself entrenched in the guys the Royals got via trade this year because this was my year to evaluate not just the team, to evaluate J.J. Piccolo and the moves that were made. Don't get me wrong. There have been some head-scratching ones. You know, I didn't understand hanging on to guys like Matt Beatty forever, Jackie Bradley Jr. forever. I, I didn't really comprehend that. I certainly didn't comprehend the Nicky Lopez for Taylor Hearn trade. But we also haven't heard much about Nicky Lopez in the last couple of weeks because Atlanta's getting closer and closer to their postseason. Nicky's not going to get on the field as much as maybe I would like to because I'm still very much a Nicky Lopez fan. But as for the rest of these trades, they're starting to show at least a little bit what the Royals had seen. And, and I think under Dayton Moore, they would trade for certain guys and you'd say, okay, they maybe have good minor league numbers, but in the end, they didn't amount to much in Kansas City. And I get it, too. September numbers to a lot of Royals fans out there are meaningless because they've done this before. We've seen Adalberto Mondesi go on a tear in September. I remember it vividly. I think it was back in the 2018 season. Really finished the year strong. And then he never stayed healthy. And we had seen... Younger guys in the line just have a great September. The team as a whole have a great September. And then it doesn't matter once the calendar flips and you're back to spring training. And a lot of these guys I talk about, it's not to say I was right, you were wrong. The Royals are right, you were wrong. It's not to say that. But what I've always been looking for after hearing J.J. Piccolo's responses, his answers and the questions, he'll say, we like the raw power. We like the spin rate. We like the velocity. We like the approach. And then I go, okay, well, let's see it. You say these things are all able to be translated in the big leagues. With Cole Reagans, I was vocal on Twitter. I didn't understand it. Why are you getting some 25-year-old guy who's in the bullpen in Texas, bad numbers, doesn't throw hard, two Tommy Johns? How does that make sense? Aroldis Chapman was your best piece. How do you make that trade? Yeah, I was wrong. Because Cole Reagans looks like Cole Reagans now. Triple-digit fastball, power cutter, power slider, power curve, power change. A true number one on your staff. Then the Royals made this trade, Jose Quas, to Nelson Velasquez. And I said, as long as Jose Quas isn't in the bullpen in Kansas City, I don't care who you get. But then I remember early on in the year seeing Nelson Velasquez at Wrigley hit a go-ahead grand slam. And it was electric. I think it was against Seattle, too. I said, man, that dude has some pop. I don't know who Nelson Velasquez is, but the Cubs got a good one, at least a good, fun bench back. I mean, that was a mammoth shot he hit. 
And then he did so again. He had another go-ahead home run in that same month. Then I never heard of Nelson Velasquez again. But when that name popped up, when the Royals tweeted out this trade, I said, that seems familiar. Oh, yeah, it's the guy that's got this big-time pop. And J.J. Piccolo mentioned they like the raw power, something to work with. And I'll tell you this, it's translated very well to the big league level. But what I've seen late from Nelson Velasquez, I can admire the 430-foot shots. I mean, a ball on the outside corner of the plate, you hit it over three walls at Kauffman Stadium of all places. He's got big-time power. He's also got a lot of swing and miss. But what I've also seen is some poise and maturity at the plate in moments where you can go up there and say, hey, I've hit 11 home runs in this uniform so far. I'm going to try to hit the damn highway. And I was so impressed today that he comes up in the eighth inning, two outs. He's exactly who you want in that spot. You're down by two. Let's take the lead here. And he didn't get really any hittable pitches. I think one might have been a strike. Other than that, he's laying off of it. Because in his mind, it's, I'm not swinging at the off-speed junk they usually get me with. I mean, he loves to swing at that slider low and away. But even on Saturday night, he had a very similar at-bat of spitting on those pitches outside. Because that's going to be the difference next year. With a book out on him, more of an established book, it's going to be when you get him down two strikes, throw that slider, throw that curve, throw that change up down in the way, he'll swing over the top of it. But if he lays off of it, we've already seen how good of a fastball hitter he is. He can make you regret that pitch. He can punish you for that mistake. And this is starting to show the Royals may, just may, as the early signs of it, just may know what they're looking for now. You know, Nelson Velasquez doesn't completely solve the lineup problems. There's still a lot of holes in this lineup. But they need a raw power guy that can platoon. He could be a bench guy. I'm not saying he's an everyday player. But if he is hitting like this, there's no reason he's not shouldn't be playing every day. He's not a liability defensively. He's not great. But he's not Edward Olivares out there. I mean, he's 24 years old. He's under control for a handful of years. If you didn't want to go spend the money on a middle-of-the-lineup bat, maybe you do give Nelson Velasquez that spot. Because I'm seeing the growth already by kind of just finding more comfort at the plate. You're seeing a very comfortable hitter. A guy that knows the tremendous power he has, but also knows that it's useless if he can't make contact. The walk rate goes up. We know that when he puts a barrel on the ball, it's going a long ways. And I've been waiting and waiting for this, this complete slump to happen because sometimes for power hitters with big swing and miss, when they go on a slump, it's bad. I mean, it's it's one for 20 with 15 strikeouts. It can get that ugly. But we haven't really seen a, a slump to that extent. Now, he hasn't played every single day, but damn, he's made the most of his time in Kansas City. I mean, this is some ridiculous power. He's not hitting cheapies either. I mean, the one he hit today hit the Hall of Fame. That's something to consider. I, I kind of scoffed at people saying, oh, he's Jorge Soler 2.0. This might be the closest guy you have to that type of power since Jorge Soler. Salvador Perez, of course. I think Vinny Pasquantino's got a lot of strength. This is ridiculous strength. And it's something I think you, you should take a little bit more seriously going into the offseason. Don't just say, hey, problem solved. Middle lineup back goes to Nelson Velasquez. But he might have a future here. 
If he can build off this with a really good offseason, really good spring training, I am not going to complain seeing him on the lineup on opening day of 2024, of course. Okay, the last thing we're going to talk about is this young lineup. It was incredibly young today, and it's going to be young for this last two-week stretch. Should be kind of fun, and I'm going to tell you why next on Locked On Royals. You are tuned into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. You can follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 1-5. And find all of our podcasting episodes on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. We're about five or so subscribers away from 500, which is our goal before the end of the season. But before we go any further, talking more Royals baseball, let's give a shout out to one of today's other title sponsors in Sleeper. I got some picks for tomorrow's game against Cleveland. Steven Cruz is going to be the opener for the second straight time in this rotation. I'm going to take him to have over one and a half strikeouts. If he has a low pitch count after the first inning, I'd imagine he's going to get a second before handing it off to Alec Marsh. And I'm going to have two pitchers to go with here. So I'm going to take over one and a half strikeouts and likely two innings of work for Steven Cruz. And then I'm going to take over six and a half strikeouts for Alec Marsh as the bulk pitcher tomorrow against the Cleveland Guardians. With Sleeper, the MLB playoffs are right around the corner, which means the clock is ticking on your chance to 100 times your cash on daily fantasy baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is now. And studs like Ronald Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts, and Shohei Otani pick more, o- pick more or less on stats for these stars like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more for up to 100 times the payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right, and you could win big with Sleeper. I think it's always an unfortunate thing when you've got a late-season injury. Guys are going to miss time because you know that it's going to be the last little bit of baseball that we see from that player for maybe, what, five or six months? You know, Salvador Perez just got put on the seven-day IL retroactive to yesterday. So we could still see him before the end of the year. Maybe it doesn't make much sense to play the final week of the season. I know Salvador Perez would tell you differently. But he's on the IL with a concussion. And this offseason could be very interesting. I don't want to go as far to say this is the last time we're going to see Salvador Perez in a Royals uniform. But if he doesn't come back, all I'm going to say is it's on the table. It could be discussed. I'm not going to completely rule it out because we've seen the Royals at least entertain it a little bit. A lot has to happen. I know that. But what this does give us for the final couple series of the year, they're going to wrap up the series against Cleveland on Wednesday, getaway day on Thursday, and then they'll take on Houston at Minute Maid Park over the weekend. Then they will go to Detroit for their final road series of the year and then wrap up next weekend with the Yankees coming to down at Kauffman State, and that'll wrap up the 2023 season. But if we do not see Salvador Perez, we are going to see the youngest lineup that we've seen all season long. And that's something in an evaluation year I've been begging for. Today was a perfect lineup for me. Salvador Perez is out. Freddie Fermin's year is done. That gives Logan Porter a shot. And the crazy thing is, Logan Porter, who made his Major League debut earlier last week, He was the oldest player in the lineup today, 28 years old. Everybody else was born after 1995. I tweeted this out, and I apologize for the older listeners, the older viewers, but nobody that started today for the Royals was alive for the 94-95 strike. 
Like I said, Logan Porter was the oldest guy, and he was born at the tail end of the summer of 1995. Everybody else, 96 birthdays, a lot of 1998 birthdays. It was a young lineup. And you know what? They competed, they fought today, and they got away with their 49th win of the year. It doesn't matter to a lot of people. It matters to them. You know, they don't want to have the franchise record for single season losses. They don't want to get to, to 108 and 109. 106 is the record. They want to avoid 106. And I believe to avoid that, they will need to go, they, they need to grab seven more wins, I believe it is, to tie it. They need eight more wins to avoid it. They need to get to 57 and finish. Would that be right? Yeah, 57 and 105. I'm terrible with math. I've discussed this before. But 57 and 105 is probably what they're gunning for. Not a glorious record, but you don't have the record for losses in a season for Royals history. So today, you're seeing a young lineup. Tomorrow, you're probably going to see a young lineup. You'll get Steven Cruz, a rookie, on the bump, followed by Alec Marsh, a rookie, on the bump. Now, the only thing that I'll be against is the way Matt Quattrero handles the bullpen. I don't want to see Taylor Clark closing out games like he was on Friday. I don't want to see that. At times, I don't really want to see Carlos Hernandez either. I want to see James MacArthur in that role. You know, I want to see Jackson Kowar get that chance. They're not the youngest guys in the bullpen, but they're young in terms of experience. Carlos Hernandez and Taylor Clark have had their chances. You can make this a full-on youth movement in the final two weeks. Maybe it matters to you. Maybe it doesn't. For me, it does, because I like seeing a lot of the young players get a chance. Now, I get it on Wednesday, and we'll probably dedicate a little bit of our podcast tomorrow praising the career of Zach Greinke, because I believe on Wednesday, that'll be the last time you can see Zach Greinke pitch at Kauffman Stadium. So if you're debating tickets, want to get away from work for an afternoon, a matinee game, that could be the last chance you can ever see Zach Greinke pitch in person. Because he'll get one more start after this. It'll be in Detroit next week. And that'll be the season and maybe the final start of the career of Zach Greinke, a Hall of Fame career. But as for the rest of the rotation, want to see the youth movement. Can't wait for Cole Reagan's start in Houston. I'm excited tomorrow to see Steven Cruz as the opener and Alec Marsh get another chance to finish the year strong. I can't say I'm super thrilled to watch Brady Singer pitch again because I just don't think he's got much to prove at this point. The velo is way down. He doesn't know why, but there's one more start in the books for him, I believe, because I think he would start against Detroit, a team he's actually very good against, and that should close the book on his 2023 season. But for a lot of these guys, I want to see the youth movement. I love the lineup construction today. You had MJ Melendez in left. You had Kyle Isbell in center, I think it was. Drew Waters in right. You had Prado at first. Massey at second. Bobby Wood Jr. at short. Michael Garcia at third. Logan Porter behind the plate. And then you had Brady Singer on the mound. That's a very young team. And the fact Logan Porter, a guy that just made his major league debut, is the oldest guy out there, that tells you something. Now, again, I understand that fans say, I don't care if they're young, they're old, just win games. Well, right now, they are showing a little bit of life late in the season. Yes, sometimes against teams that have nothing to play for. Chicago didn't have anything to play for. Cleveland, not much to play for. But they get to play spoiler again against the Astros, and that's their last chance to play a team that really has something to play for. Detroit not going to have anything to play for other than pride and the Yankees certainly don't have anything to play for unless everything collapses in the American League East, which I don't even think 
Toronto's going to. I think their only chance is a wild card spot, and they basically have to win out, I think, at this point, which is incredibly unlikely. So they're not going to have to worry about that for the final series of the year. So the spoiler ball for playoff teams, that's going to conclude this weekend in Houston. They can do so again. Man, I don't want to see Jordan Lyles get the ball at Houston, but he's going to. He's going to pitch on Saturday, I believe it is. So buckle up for that one. He's probably breaking Daryl May's record. But other than that, this is the youth movement for the final two weeks. Enjoy it. Maybe some of these guys get a chance next year. Maybe they don't. But at least for today, I liked the youth infusion to that lineup. Nobody in the lineup today was born before 1995. I do want to see Salvador Perez again before the end of the year, but for the majority of the time that he's out, would love to see a young lineup. That's going to do it for another edition of Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I've been your host, Jack Johnson. You can follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 1-5. I'll continue to be putting up those recaps after the game. Hopefully I can get them up as soon as I can, but that is going to continue for the rest of the season. And then of course, next year, I'll always have at least a one minute recap of what happened in the Royals game that day or that evening. But until tomorrow, you take it easy, Kansas City.